We have the opportunity this morning to read our scripture verse for this morning together. I want us to lift our voices in words as well as song and read this aloud together. Let's follow along. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. This is the living word of God for us today. Amen. You guys can take a seat. Well, my name is Lloyd Shadrach. I'm one of the teaching pastors here uh, alongside Rob Sweet, who is our lead pastor. I say that for those of you online who are guests, maybe visiting, those in the room who are visiting, uh, Rob and I are both teaching pastors. Rob's teaching at the Franklin Congregation at this very moment as I am teaching here. And the next week we swap. And so in this way, we are teaching through books of the Bible. The, the message I teach here today, you see, I'll take to Franklin next week. Um, and we do it that way so that uh, we're able to uh, live out what for us is a, a deep core value. Together is better. We believe a plurality in the pulpit is good and healthy for the body of Christ. Let's take our Bibles and open them to the passage just read. If you have your Bible, your phone, whatever you are, are working with here, go to Matthew 7, 12 to 14. We're in our final, we're really down to our final weeks of our study through uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Now we know this as the Sermon on the Mount. If, if the Sermon on the Mount, and there, no pun intended on this, but if the Sermon on the Mount, you know, our study through it, were a mountain we were climbing, then two significant things are gonna happen today. Um, first, we are gonna summit the mountain. We're gonna hit the peak. We, we're, we are gonna come to the high point of the mountain. And the second thing we're gonna do is we're actually gonna begin our descent down the mountain. Now I say this because Matthew has, has used a, a literary device here where he has, has had an introduction to the sermon, chapter five, one through 11. And then in verse, or one through 16, verse 17 of chapter Five, it says there, Jesus says, I have not come to abolish the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them. So picture that as, as, as one bookend, if you will. And then we come to our text today. And so we hit chapter seven, verse 12. And what does Jesus say about, you know, what we know as the golden rule? He says, for this is the law and the prophets. So you see how he, he framed this so that the sermon you see has an introduction, a main body, starting with law and the prophets fulfilled, law and the prophets fulfilled. And so now y'all, the rest of the sermon is the conclusion. The analogy I'm using, it's the descent off the peak of the mountain. Now, I think the mountain analogy is helpful in this way. Um, and I think most, many of you know this, but you know, most fatalities for mountain climbers don't happen on the ascent, but on the descent. It's coming down off that mountain that will kill you. Now, throughout the descent off of this mountain, so to speak, I, I, I say that to say Jesus presents us with some really difficult 
choices. Choices that for many prove fatal. In other words, you can go up the mountain of the Sermon on the Mount and go, this is wonderful. But if you start down the backside with Jesus and he begins to say, now this is what this means, some decide they can't take Jesus anymore. Now, you know, a, a, a real life example would be uh, Mahatma Gandhi. Um, it's known that he would have uh, uh, prayer meetings at a certain hour uh, each evening. On occasion, you can see this. I mean, I can hear this. On occasion, he would literally stand up and read the sermon on the mount and then sit down because you, you think about, think about his principles of nonviolence and all that's in the sermon. Don't you see that in, in, in Gandhi's life and his vision and values? Absolutely. He agreed with Jesus's moral teachings, but he slipped coming down the backside. These are his own words. I'll put them up on the screen. He says, it was impossible for me to believe that I could go to heaven or attain salvation only by becoming a Christian. It was more than I could believe that Jesus was the only incarnate son of God and that only he, he who believed in him would have everlasting life. I could accept Jesus as a martyr, an embodiment of sacrifice and a divine teacher, but not as the most perfect man ever born End quote. Now, I say that to say, you know, in other words, Gandhi, um, the Sermon on the Mount for Gandhi was wonderful. It, it was the basis of much of, of what he taught and believed. I mean, it was super helpful, was it not, for, for, for him? But once Jesus begins to speak in this kind of terminology, exclusive terminology, that to choose him is not one of many, but the only. See, at that point, Gandhi and millions of others, perhaps some in the room looking at me, perhaps some online looking at me, perhaps someone watching this a year from now online, it's coming down the backside when Jesus makes those statements uh, that, the, that you can become a fatality, quite frankly. Over the next four weeks, um, Jesus is gonna give us four warnings. So I want you to think about this. We, we've, we're gonna st stand at the peak and then we're gonna go begin the conclusion. The conclusion is four warnings. Now I'm just emphasizing that to say, okay, why would Jesus warn us four times? <laughs> because that's how important we hear him on this back end. He's gonna give us four warnings in the, in the mode of, of uh, choices. And really each one, it's two choices. Like to, today, by the way, when we get to this passage, it's gonna be two paths. And then next week, it's gonna be two trees. And the next week, it's gonna be two claims. And then the last week, it's gonna be two foundations. According to Jesus, what's at stake in this choice is you choose one and he'll say it, not my words, it leads to destruction. You choose the other and it leads to life. We're gonna pick up where Rob left off last week. So look there in your Bible, let's begin our journey on these three verses. 
We pick up in verse 12, Jesus says this, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them for this is the law and the prophets. It's inarguable, this is the high point of the sermon. We, most of us know it as the golden rule, right? You kind of memorize this thing. You know, it's the golden rule. I didn't, I, I didn't know this. It's not the golden rule because of its value and its preciousness. It's like the gold standard. You know, it's not, didn't get it that way per se. Historically, it's, we actually pick up and use this phrase, the golden rule, uh, because back in like 220, 225, um, a Roman emperor named Alexander Severus, he inscribed these words in gold, in his, in his home, he had a private chapel. He put it in a private chapel. He actually put it in public buildings. How about that? A Roman emperor. Well, Jesus is saying nothing less than this. He's, he's saying, you know, just take, you know, for them, it was the, they had the Old Testament, the law and the prophets. Take all of the Old Testament and Jesus is saying that all that God revealed through the prophets who spoke through the law that was written, it's all right here in this one verse. I mean, it's fascinating to think about. He's very consistent in this because he'll say it again a little differently. A little later in Matthew, Jesus says this, Matthew 22, 37, he says, and, to, and he said to him, you shall, we know this is the great commandment, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, here it comes, depend all the law and the prophets. Now, it's so plain and simple that for me to, to seek to exposit it, so to speak, to explain it further, I, I, mean, I mean this when I say, it. it's like I'll just kind of cloud it up. Quite frankly, I'll just kind of make it more complicated than it is. So I'm trying to, I'm really trying to refrain myself and just go, you read it. You know what it means, now do it. You know, it's just there. I'll offer just the faintest hint, if I may, of, of some measure of explanation. Um, it's meaning, I could say it this way, as you live your life, okay, here's, you, you wanna fulfill the law and prophets, as you live your life, first think about what, think, think, think about, what others need, how you want, think how, how you want to be treated. Okay, first thing I'm thinking is, how do I want to be treated? Now, I want to be treated kindly. Well, then turn around and do that to that person. Just that, that's the rule, live your life that way. I want you to notice, you know, by way of application for us, that I think what's in, one of the things that's important here is that when Jesus summarizes the whole, you know, Jesus summarizes the whole law and prophets, it comes down, track with me on this, comes down to what you do. Now, why do I say that? Because I want you to understand the Christian faith is, is not fundamentally a set of beliefs we believe. Now it is that, but you do you know what I'm saying? It's not like memorize this and you're good. You need to know this and all's well. He, he, he says, do, do to others what you would want them to do to you. And it's a reminder, y'all, that the Christian life, wholehearted life in Jesus, following Christ as a disciple, it means we have beliefs, but they are inseparable from behaviors. And I say that just for us to be reminded, if, 
if you say you have faith in Christ, but you don't live your life a certain way, according to Christ, can I say this? You don't have, you don't have biblical belief in Christ. I, I'm only echoing what James will say later, right? What's James gonna say? Faith without works is dead, i.e., that's not biblical faith. You got something, but it's not biblical faith. That little word, so, verse 12, so whatever you wish, it's therefore in some of your translations. And it tells us, you know, we're coming off, you know, it could be in light of the whole sermon, and it is that, but it also tells us in light of what Rob just taught last week, verses seven through 11. So therefore, in light of what he just taught, live this rule. And it helps us understand the rule maybe a little bit better. When we think about the golden rule, okay? You know, people say it differently. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You know, just however you memorize it as a kid, you know, is kind of what sticks in your mind. The way to, to, as we begin to apply it, one of the ways he's saying to apply it is don't disconnect it from verses seven through 11. Well, what does that mean? I, th- I would say, suggest it means this at least. And, and by the way, if you didn't get that message from Rob last week, please watch the message. Please know when we teach the Bible, they all connect because it's verse by verse. Rob almost came out of his skin last week. He was so, you know, awakened, you know, by the word. It was awesome. Um, but he, 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 Rob mentioned that the key in that 7 through 11 is to see God as a good father. And a good father gives good gifts. So now he gets to the golden rule. When you think about how do I apply this in my life, we need to, we need to keep that in mind, and, and, I would, and we can do it in a very simple way, okay? Think of the verse this way. So whatever good you wish that others would do to you, do that good to them. Everybody got that? I mean, this is, this is gettable, I think. With, with that said, okay, let me ask you, don't answer out loud. You don't need to raise your hand. Don't do anything, but let's just reflect for a moment. Okay, I got it. I mean, in fact, Lloyd, before you even taught that, I already knew that. Awesome. Go back over the last 24 hours of your life. Just the 24. And um, I want you to reflect on your interactions with each other, spouse, friend, with anyone. Every interaction you had in the last 24 hours. If, if that's the, the standard, which you, know, you can also think of it as a straight edge, if that's the straight edge, you know, this is straight. So how'd you do? How, how's, how have the last 24 hours of your life been? If, if this is to be the mark and standard. You don't have to answer. I can tell by some of your faces it didn't go that well. But, you know, and, and mine, because I would tell you, I didn't live the golden rule. And y'all, I've been studying it for at least two weeks. So you'd think I would do it so I could at least stand up and tell you, you know, hey, I did it. You can too. Well, let me tell you what I want to tell you. I didn't, you can't, and no one can. Can't do it perfectly. But that's the standard. Which is why Jesus ends the sermon the way he ends it. I mentioned he's gonna give us four warnings. Think about it. Again, I just this this is instructive in and of itself. Four. 
I mean, how many do we need? Four. (laughs) And by the way, the four warnings are the same. So it's not like, okay, you got this one. Now you got to do another. No, it's the same warning every time. There's this way, there's this way, choose. There's this way, there's this way. It's the same warning. Straight down. And again, just the weight of what we're about to step into over these next four weeks. I also think he says it four times because he knows this. We don't heed warnings very well at all. When that siren goes off for a tornado warning, you do understand what a tornado would do, right? If it hit your home, you understand it would destroy it and kill you. We all get this, right? Don't, again, don't answer out loud, but let me ask you, what do you do when you hear the warning? Take a bath? I don't know. Do what you were doing, right? Dude, we don't hear, we don't heed the warning. And why don't we heed the warning when that thing's blaring? Well, because, and I'm talking about myself, because I go in my head, the odds of that tornado hitting my house are so nil, right? And I get that. Let me tell you something about this. The odds that if you make the wrong choice of getting the consequence of that wrong choice in this is 100%. That's why he warns us. For, it's not a probability, it's a certainty if we make the wrong choice. I mean, the rain falling right there is just a little spiritual warning for us, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, like, hello, you guys need to listen. Um, okay, he goes into, the, the first warning is two paths, two paths. So look at verses 13 and 14. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. It's just, again, he's just point blank, is he not? It begins with a command and it's really clear and simple. Enter by the narrow gate. Now that command, in a sense, you know, flows through the whole back end of these four warnings. It's, it's start here, start right here. Enter by the narrow gate. And then he compares the narrow gate and the wide gate. And I'm gonna unpack that, um, I'm gonna unpack that in a moment. Uh, just for those of you Bible students, cause you know, you could grab me afterwards and I'm sure you can correct me on this. So just, just so you know that I know this. It's crazy, but it's like, I don't know. When you study the Bible and you start reading commentaries and trying to say, it's crazy what people think, but I get it. You know, there's a, there's a, bit of, there's a pretty significant debate when you read this and people get off on a bunny trail and they go, well, wait, 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 wait. Do you enter the gate first and then walk the path? Or do you walk this path and at the end of the path, there's the gate and you go in? I don't know. (laughs) I was going to say, I don't care. And I guess I will. I really don't care per se in the sense that I'm just going to take what Jesus said. Let's just take it. You can go either way on that, but let's take away Jesus said. What does he say first? What's the first thing he says? What's the first thing he says? Enter the gate. So let's go with that one. Enter the gate. I'm going to talk about what that means here in a moment, but enter the gate. 
And the first thing that strikes me about these two verses, y'all, there are two choices. Let's Let's not skip over that too quickly. There's the wide gate path. There's the narrow gate path. That's it. That's it. There's no third way. There's no other ways. It's two, it's binary, you with me? And I think there's a part of this, just back to we don't take warnings very well. You know what else we don't take well? Limited choices, do we? Think about it. It's like we're multiple choice. We, we, we like our choices and this is, you know, our fallenness I think is meant toward it and then we just multiply it out. My goodness, you all. We don't like to be told, look, you can have this or that. Well, I'd like something else. What else you got? You buy a car. Look, you can get this one or that one. Well, no, no, no. I want this trim and I want that color. And I want, you know, options, right? Whatever. Think about a grocery store, right? This, we know this. I, I had to look it up because I thought, how, many, how much stuff's in there? Well, on average, 40,000 items. Really? We need 23 varieties of peanut butter? Really? Yeah, apparently, because they, they sell. They stay on the, So we don't like... Choices, Richard Swartz in his um, book, this was 2004, or Barry Schwartz, I'm sorry. Uh, Barry Schwartz, he wrote a landmark book. It was called Paradox of Choice, Why More is Less. Some of you I'm sure read it. What is the gist of his, his research? Well, the gist of the research is this. Rather, the abundance of choice we have. Now, all cultures don't have this, but we do. The abundance of choices we have across the board, rather than increasing a sense of well-being, do you know what it produces? You can argue with this. This is what it produces in you and me. Increased anxiety, depression, and wasted time. That's just three little ones. You know, not little, but that's, can you, it does. It, it, it's like that which we think, like, I want more choices, I'll be happier. When you get more choices, you're, not, you're, you're not, not even close to happier. In fact, you're worse off. We're worse off. And why am I saying this? Because I believe God in his great mercy gives us two. No need to get confused here. There's two. And by the way, he makes the two so distinct from each other There's no confusion here. Wait, wait, do you mean this is in? No, no, no. This is this and that is that and they don't cross. Do you see what I'm saying? It's just so blatant. Thank God in his mercy and kindness, he makes this so clear. When it comes to Jesus, he offers these two options. There's There's Jesus, which is life. There's not Jesus, and it's death. That's the contrast he gives us. I'm gonna put it up on the screen, real simple. You wanna see a chart of the two verses? Well, here's a shot at it. There are two gates, two paths, two destinations, and two groups. There are two gates. There's the wide gate and there's a narrow gate. The wide gate, what does that mean, wide gate? It means wide gate. 
It means if this stage were a gate, this would qualify. This would be a wide gate. You could put three 18-wheelers through it. You could take your house through this gate. You can take all you own. See, I'm saying it's wide. And then there's a narrow gate. Well, how narrow is it? it I don't know. Compared to the wide, it's super, it's narrow. You know, you th- might think of it this way. You know, when you go through a turnstile, that would be a narrow gate. Why does that a narrow gate? Because you can only go one at a time. You know, it's kind of like you squeeze through this gate. Does that make sense? So he's just contrasting. There's a wide gate. There's a narrow gate. There are two paths. You go through the gate. I believe we're taking it this way. You choose the gate, then you walk the path. Well, there's a easy path and there's a hard path. Well, explain that to me. Okay, let me do it again. There's an easy path and there's a hard path. This is what it, what it means. Now, there is a little, there's a little nuance with the easy, the Greek word, it, it's not, the Greek word is not so much like this as easy as it opposed to hard as much as it is, the word really means spacious. So it's kind of a, goes back to the wide gate, but it says, and then there's a, there's the path you're gonna, if you're gonna choose this wide gate, you're gonna walk on a very roomy, plenty of room, plenty of ways to wander about on this easy path. Now the, the hard path is, is very clear. It's the implications being, this is difficult um, it's good stuff on this path you won't like. It's, it's hard, it, it's, it's suffering, challenges, disappointment. You know, this is a hard path over here. That's what that one means. There are two destinations. So, so you make your choice and, and you will get to this particular destination. On this one, it is destruction. Um, it, it's not annihilation. You know, it's important. It's not like you, you, don't, you no longer exist. No, you go to ruin destruction, death. This path, he says it, it's life, the Greek Zoe. Uh, it, this is fullness of life. The sense to this word, it, it, it's a place characterized by full and exuberant liveliness, total animation of life that you were made for, healthiness, happiness, exuberance, energy, vitality, now, I, w- I want you to understand that when he says enter these gates when, and, and this one leads to life, it is, ent- how do you, I'll, I'll say it this way. How, he's saying, how do you enter life with God? So it is, how do you enter this heaven? Be- we see this word enter this used in, um, when he's speaking to the rich young ruler and rich young ruler says, how do I, how do I enter eternal life? This is so, so, are you with me? So choosing the narrow gate is, is the path to eternal life, life with God, heaven. Two destinations, finally two groups. Well, if those who choose the wide path are many. Oh, it means a lot. It means most. In comparison to those who choose the narrow path will be few. Not so many as compared to who choose the wide path. Don't answer this out loud, but I'd love, you know, think about this. Why is it that the majority of people in this world choose the wide path that leads to destruction? Well, how about because it's wide and easy? Sign me up, right? Versus narrow and hard. So yeah, you go, this is a no-brainer. Well, it, it is a no-brainer. 
when we, when we fully understand the paths and we take into account where they lead, even though they seem like they lead to different places. I've, I've got a proverb that I've all, is always stuck in the back of my mind. And I think it sheds light on this. It's Proverbs 16, 25. Listen to what the, the, the writer of Proverbs said. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. I think it's a helpful verse to interpret and help us understand why people choose the wide way. Why, why, do, we, why do people choose the wide way even though it leads to death? It just seems right, right? Well, the difference between seems right and is right is the difference between night and day, death and life. I was thinking about it, and this is, my mind works weird, but I thought of that Super Bowl commercial. You know, some good, some bad this year. But this year, Super Bowl commercial for Rocket Mortgage. Remember this with Tracy Morgan? Family wants to buy the home, and they're pretty sure, this is a key phrase, pretty sure they qualify. Tracy Morgan says, pretty sure. And they go, what's the difference between pretty sure and certain? And he says, let me show you. I'm gonna let, you, I'm gonna let him show us. This is that commercial. Can we even afford this house? I'm pretty sure we can. Pretty sure. With Rocket Mortgage, you can be certain. Not pretty sure. What's the difference? Let me show you. I'm pretty sure these aren't poisonous. I'm pretty sure these are parachutes. Mine has a sandwich. That's mine. Pretty sure you do not run. I'm pretty sure you can take Batista down. You're on. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this is trending. I'm pretty sure these hornets aren't the murdering type. I'm pretty sure we can make it. Certain is better. Let's go with certain. Oh, Good yeah. Choice. When you're buying a home, hey. pretty sure isn't sure enough. Certain is better, for sure. Well, listen, all humor aside, what are you going to do with your eternity? Pretty sure? Seems right? Or certain? Your eternity seems right? Or certain? That's what's at stake as we're coming off this mountain. The, the wide gate, I'm telling you, I get it. It seems right to me because it does give you things you want and keeps you from some things you'd want to avoid, so to speak, right? The wide way. Gives you all the stuff you want till it doesn't, and when it doesn't, too late, and you get what you'd never want, separation from God forever. That seems so, seems good to me. Jesus, this is where, you know, all cards on the table as Jesus does for us and is. He's not a bait and switch teacher to get us on a road, you know, you know, to make it rosy 
And then, and then once you're on it, he goes, by the way, it's going to be super hard. But wait, wait, I thought you said it was going to be, no, no, no. So Jesus is always cutting back the crowd. Look, if you, this is going to be hard. And many turned away. When he says that choosing the narrow gate is going to be hard, let me tell you how hard it will be. Think of Jesus. He lived the golden rule perfectly. So Jesus never did anything to anyone that was not good. And the people he did good to killed him. Whoa. Yes, yes. See, so you and I, we say, well, I want to live the golden rule. Yes, we do. And when you do, don't expect the people you do good to, to do good to you. That, that's not why you do it. You do it because Jesus did it. Are you with me? And so that's going to be really hard. Now, you can't get through the narrow gate and, and the narrowness is I, I, certainly to point us to the fact that it's kind of like, look, you can get through with your skin and that's about it. You gotta, you gotta let everything else go. And I think that's true. Jesus always says that. If you don't give up everything, you can't follow me. If you wanna be my disciple, you need to renounce all that you have. You need to lose your life in order to find it. I asked earlier why so few people choose the, why so many choose the wide, just reflect on this. Why do so few choose the narrow? I'm, I'm, and I'm sure we could come up with good reasons because it's hard, because I don't want to do hard. I don't want to do difficult. I mean, I get all that. I think the biblical answer would be this. You and I will not choose the narrow gate, the narrow path, apart from the Spirit of God opening our eyes to see it for what it is. See, this is where as a teacher, or, I, I can't convince you of this stuff. This is, God, this is the Spirit of God has to do His work. And so it's, it, why do you, people choose not choose the narrow gate? Because their eyes haven't been opened to, to see that, that in fact that this way leads to death and this way leads to life. And the key to seeing this, I, I, I believe, is to see, the, to see the gate for what the gate is. Holy Spirit, help us to see this. The gate is Jesus. That's the gate. Wait, I thought, I thought it's like a gate with him. It's Jesus is the gate. The Spirit, only the Spirit can open our eyes to that. John 10, he's describing himself as the shepherd of the sheep. He says, he who enters by the doors, the shepherd of the sheep, verse two. Then verse seven, he says, truly, truly, I am the door, the gate. I'm the door, I'm the gate. Verse nine, I am the door. If anyone enters, if anyone enters, by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Wow. Only when the spirit enables one to see the narrow gate is in fact the crucified and risen Jesus 
and that he died on the cross for you, would we choose the narrow gate? And when we see it, how could we choose the other? Now, perhaps today is the day of salvation for someone. In the room, online, I don't know, a year from now you're watching this, perhaps today's the day of your salvation. Because it is, quite frankly, these next four weeks are, every one of them is a day of decision and we're gonna decide. For others of you, you've, you've made that choice. You've, you've placed your faith in Christ. Perhaps your decision today is on this path that is narrow and hard, you're losing heart. It sure happens because this is not, things aren't going the way I thought they were supposed to. I don't know if I can keep going. I, I get that. And so we come to this text and it may not be, be that we trust Christ for our salvation for the first time, but we recommit ourselves anew to say, no, this is, this, I've chosen the gate and I'm on the path and we'll remain on it. And Christ is with you. He has not forsaken you. And may I say, sometimes we need to stand here and remember the destination is not pretty sure. <laughs> the destination is for sure, <laughs> certain. Just as certain as this destination is certain for those on that path. Well, I'm gonna invite the band back out for us. Please stay online. We've got some work to do here still. And in the room, I'm gonna invite you to set your Bibles to the side and pick up your communion elements. We, we have these cups here in the room online. You've probably got your own, I hope, that will come to the Lord's table and there's some, some application that we will do. It's not enough ever for us to come to God's word and walk away informed. It's not. Um, we're doing damage to our soul when that happens. So we go, no, what, how do we apply it? We, what's a choice God's inviting us to make, a step of faith to take? And so we come to this, get your elements ready. I think it's a, a great exercise. I know sometimes this is a little difficult, peeling these plastic off and whatnot, but honestly do this. When you're having trouble with it, just kind of calm yourself down <laughs> and, remem and remember what we're doing. I mean, you're, we're taking, we're coming to the table of Jesus and You'll get there eventually. You know, you might have to poke a hole in the top. I don't know, and drink it. But let's take the bread and the cup. And as we hold them, I'm gonna invite everyone to stand. Let's stand together with the bread and the cup. For as we stand with the bread and cup week after week, what do we come to? Well, we're reminded that we come to the crucified Savior. We're reminded, let's think of this. Okay, we're thinking about this. He's, he's the gate. What did it cost him to be the gate? Cost him his life, cost him everything. Um, he was unjustly condemned. He was innocent. He, took, he, was, he was punished for crimes he didn't commit. And he, he did good to his crucifiers. He was beaten. He was rejected by his friends. He was condemned by foes. He was stripped of the only thing he, he owned, quite frankly, was his underwear, basically, and they took that. 
And to those who did all this to him, he applied the golden rule. He suffered. He loved them and therefore us to the end. This is, this is the table we come to. The bread representing his body broken, the cup, his blood shed. So before we take the table, let's decide. I mean this. Decide. If you've never put your faith in Christ, why not today? Why not today? I, look, I've got no dog in the fight, so to speak, other than I'm trying to teach the text and say to you online in the room, if you've never put your faith in Christ, and today, you know, this would be the work of the Spirit, if today you're just going, you know that, the, oh, it makes sense to me that Jesus died for me. He was buried and three days later he rose from the grave and that makes sense to me. Can I tell you, the only reason it makes sense to you is the Spirit of God is opening your eyes. So believe. This is your day. Believe. Well, what do you mean? What? I mean, believe. Tell Jesus you trust that He died on the cross for your sins, was buried and rose again, and He did it for you. Believe. That is what it means to be a Christian, you all. Not coming to church, not doing this, not doing that. It's belief in Jesus. So if you've never done that online, you've never done that, believe today. You can. For those of us in the room online, and you've, you've already believed in Jesus, so, but, but there's a decision for you today because all of us walk a path. And I'm telling you, if it's not been hard, it will be, okay? If it's hard now and getting better, it'll get better and it'll get harder. <laughs> it's hard, it's a difficult path. And if your heart is weary, come to Jesus because he is not only the gate, he's the path. What do you mean he's the path? I mean, he said he's the path. He said, I am the way, the way, the way in our passage. So, so the path itself is Jesus. My goodness, we can't get away from Jesus. No, we can't because he's everything and he's all. So your decision today, could it be, <sighs> You're not just with me on this path, Jesus. You are the path. And you are my life. And you will get me to the end. You decide. There's only two choices. Lord Jesus, for your body broken on our behalf. We remember that at this table. We remember that you came, you died, you were buried and you rose again. Your blood was shed because your life was poured out for us, paid the penalty of death for sin. And so we remember it, but we also remember forward because as we, as we take this bread and cup, we are, we are shouting to the world, Jesus is coming again and we'll make all things right. Open our eyes, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Take the bread and the cup. <laughs>